Namaste. So with uh, Shurbindo's birthday and we, as we enter into the 150th birth anniversary of Shurbindo, we look at his life from the vantage point of his poems. Of course, um, his life is well known in one sense and not at all known in another sense. So if you look at his life from the surface, all the events are well known. He was born on this, this date, 15th August 1872. He studied in England, Cambridge, did very well, came to India, joined the Baroda Maharaja service and then he entered into the revolutionary movement. There are some eclipsing period like revolutionary movement uh, is, uh, uh, his drawing towards that movement starts when he is in England. Then uh, 1902, the, again that fire picks up. Uh, but uh, it's not when he completely plunged into the revolutionary movement. He plunged with Bang Bhang, the partition of Bengal in uh, 1905. Then uh, he edits all these uh, journals, magazines. Uh, in the process, the British government charges him thrice with sedition. And once he is sent to Alipur jail for one year. During that time, then he has that revelation of Vasudevam Sarvamiti. And even before going there, it's a very interesting life full of roundabout turns. So if you look at his life in England, he's sent there by his parents so that he doesn't get even a jot about Indian culture. Why? Because if you look at that time, uh, Indians were made to be convinced that they are... Um, Nobody and nothing, uh, all that our gods are all imaginations or animistic thinking and the religion is very prim primitive. There was a time when even outside the cinema halls it was put that only dogs and Indians are not allowed. So, you know, it was a constant feeling of uh, being low and fallen. Uh, so much so that many Indians started doubting themselves. If you see that uh, age, even the among the best, those who were among the best uh, they also couldn't imagine that there can be anything like a Pune Swaraj. And that's the time Shurabindu spoke about it. So with that intention, he was sent there, baptized. His name was Aurobindo Akroyd Ghosh. So Akroyd was the name put by the family where he grew up with the, you know, all the teachings of the Bible, literally baptized. Uh, so he went through all these things. And uh, yet, that's the beauty of destiny that when he comes back to India, he comes with a deep love for his motherland. You see, that's the paradox of life. By staying away sometimes, the love only increases. So he was sent away and being away from the country, he used to hear all that is going on. His father would also only send because he began to realize that, well, uh, it's not, things are not as beautiful as they appear on the surface. So he's the one who used to send him paper cuttings about uh, what's going on and what's happening and uh, seeing all that his young impressionable mind his mind which had come for this very purpose so it began to burn with the fire of nationalism and that's the time when they had a secret society lotus and dagger where they had to take a pledge that no member will ever disclose anything to anyone and if they do so uh, they can even be punished by life so he went through all that process this is in england and where he writes such beautiful things like that poem light and and of course harmony of virtues which shows simultaneously a tremendous uh, intelligence which was beginning to awaken in him and even he had a realization of the self in the mind while in England and that's uh, you know he read a 
casual, not a very good translation of the Isha Upanishad. And reading it, he had that experience. So simultaneously, his life was running on at least three streams. So one stream was the outer life in which he was a brilliant scholar and um, of course very lovable. This I am sure should have been the right from beginning <laughs> throughout. That aspect is so prominent in Shurbindo. I mean, uh, one who knows a little bit about Shurbindo cannot but fall in love with Shurbindo. I mean, one has to be truly stone-hearted. <laughs> when you look at the sacrifice, the and so smilingly, you don't even feel he doesn't call it a sacrifice. And with all that, he comes back home. Then the second stream is the stream of nationalistic thought. And that's what we see starting to pick up in Baroda. That he reads, how does he enter into um, this this, uh, nationalist politics? Not the way we do it today. That we read a little bit about India, the current affairs and all this. And we do some Samad Seva and enter into it. You know, that, that was the way Gandhiji entered into politics. He went all around in a... A third class compartment that I identify with the poor. But Shurabindo did just the reverse. He went into a study of the Vedas and the Upanishads and all these great to understand what India is and the Indian people. So he was getting to the roots, the soul and that is the way actually for anything. If you want to do good to the world first, uh, find your own highest good which is the soul and as it is said, the self. So he followed that path and then the third impulse, which is the spiritual streak. And they are all running together. As he lands up in uh, Atabolo Bandar, he has another spiritual experience, a vast calm. So all these three things going together. And it's so beautiful that in his life, we see them interwoven, just like Sri Krishna's life. It's not either or. But all of them running together. They are not like separate things. Okay, this is my outer life. This is my married life. This is my national life. And this is my spiritual life. Everything is interwoven. Except that the deepest current, which is the spiritual, that begins to take lead more and more. That's what happens. So that's true of you know all great beings because the spiritual current is in everybody. But it is deeply covered. And we don't realize that most of the time it's covered and stifled for life. But as it begins to emerge, it starts modifying the others. That's how evolution is. That's what evolution is about and that's how it should be. But most of us, including the society, does everything to prevent this spiritual current from surfacing in life. We keep postponing till finally a time comes when the Lord God sitting out there says, Okay, let's do a final postponement. Let's do it for next life. So (laughs) that's the ultimate postponement that happens. But with Sri Aurobindo, we see this this third current emerging more and more to the surface. So from 1902, we see along with this um, nationalistic feeling, there is the upsurge of the deeper spiritual impulsion, which leads him to practice of various kinds. One of them he mentions, but it doesn't mean he has done only that. Pranayam, which he did for six to eight hours a day and had... um, And at the end he says, all that it does is it opens doors to creativity and tremendous vital energy. The power of vision awakens, but he didn't regard it as actually a spiritual practice. So with all that, he, uh, the Godhead in Baroda, when he experiences the Godhead surge out of his body, when suddenly it is going to meet with an accident, during that period he travels to different places, has the darshan of Kali, world mother in a small little uh, idol if you go and see that picture, you can't imagine that somebody could stand before this and have an experience of the world mother. But that's how should Windows life we see uh, taking this turn with the deeper current emerging more and more and coloring others. So you'll be surprised when Shurbindo writes um, uh, one of his speeches in 1907. 
he goes and speaks to an audience um, on Swaraj. He is called upon to speak on Swaraj. So he says, you have called me to speak on Swaraj, but I am not a speaker. He starts like that. I prefer writing. And then he says that in any case, I don't know what I am going to speak. Because my speech is not prepared. I don't think about it. And I am just an instrument of God. So we see that phase when like a Jivan Mukta. I mean, that's the time he also has the experience with Leli Maharaj. Why? Because he wants, um, you know, spirituality to liberate his country. Now we see that time this impulse was very strong in some of the leaders and they used Ram Prashad, Bismil, uh, of course, um, Shurbindo, Swami Vivekananda. Many of these people were deeply spiritually moved. Lokman Tilak, Bal, I mean Bal Gangadhar Tilak and all these people were deeply spiritual and in their own way they wanted, um, uh, you know, that spirituality for the sake of the country. But with Shurbindo, uh, there were no halfway measures. So it was not like, okay, a little bit of spirituality to help the country. He wanted to go to the extreme end. And very soon he began to discover that it's not just for the country that he has come. But the whole humanity is knocking at his doorstep. So that's how we see the evolution of uh, Shurbindo's um, divinity manifestation. That's why when in one of the letters when he was asked about the mother's divinity from childhood, he said, yes, she was inwardly above the human even as a child. But it is not human becoming the divine, but it is a de- progressive divine manifestation that takes place as the instruments develop. So we can say the same thing about Shirobindo. Of course, Shirobindo is too modest to, you know, say, you know, the same thing has happened to me. <laughs> but everything that applies to mother equally applies to Shirobindo, because he is also the divine uh, in a human form. So then we see this deeper spiritual current taking over and going to a point where he sees, no, it's not just about redemption of India or liberation from the British because what India will do with that freedom, he could foresee. That's why he writes in one of the letters that, well, freedom of India is assured. But what India will do with its freedom is the problem, is the question that I am working at. Bolshevism, Gunda Raj, things look ominous. Now, equally, he must have seen this for the whole world. It's not only about India because if you look at the whole world, so he could see all this and he wanted a permanent solution, remedy for this world. Not that halfway home remedy that, okay, uh, world is bad. Ye sansar kante ki badi. Bhaj govindam, bhaj govindam, bhaj govindam mood mati. Now that's uh, like, it's a solution which is no solution. At best, it's an individual solution if we can call it a solution. It's not a solution because it's like cutting off the problem. It's like you come to somebody that I have a problem. Say, you don't, there is no problem at all. But sir, I have a problem. Well, the, if you are alive, there is a problem. Imagine you go to a doctor. <laughs> to see. Your life is the problem if you are alive. <laughs> doctor, what should I do? Well, I won't suggest anything further. Now, you know, an escape from life, nirvana is like that. If you are upon earth, it's a problem. There will be either the karmic chakra or something. There are many chakras roaming around. And you are caught in that. So leave it. Leave this zone and go away. So it's not really a solution because you have not even recognized the problem. Why it is so, all kinds of fantastic theories from your karmas to uh, God knows uh, everything else except who created karma, who created evil. Who, no, don't ask these questions. Get out of this space. It's like, don't get into the technicalities of the human body. Uh, if you have a body, you will have in less. You just can't help it. So, um, the choice was between leading an imperfect life and quitting life, which is no choice at all. So, Shirobindo was not content with that because his life, we see, is always right from the beginning. He says, 
in my life there is nothing like this worldly and other worldly simultaneously he had these experiences going on and that's what we will read ultimately through over over a period of a number of months but essentially it was that how to bridge heaven and earth everybody worships heaven there is nice uh, space out there where everybody is happy everybody is singing songs dancing uh, the hostels can't enter there asura and uh, rakshasa can say knock knock but they'll be kicked back uh, so it's a wonderful place but that's not the issue as savitri he puts it that heavens were easy for us to build what's there about what's the big deal about heaven the deal is about making this earth equal to heaven can it be possible yes because it's the same source the one who built heaven also built the earth so why can't earth be built in its image and on earth there are challenges and the greater the challenges the perfection can even be much greater so all this he could foresee and then he went in search of that uh, higher truth which can redeem earth and he he could see it like uh, some of these sages could see it but they didn't know how to bring it down on earth they spoke about passing through the doors of the sun but he was not interested in finishing his individual journey cutting it short by passing into the sun but wanted that sunlight to descend upon earth and change this life and um, but the problem is uh, if you have to tap into that power you need panels it's a long you have to study if there is too much of sunlight one is burnt so how to really make the panels make the wiring have the perfect formula as he would say i am still discovering that perfect formula to bring the supermind upon earth <laughs> of course that perfect formula later on he gives in the form of aspiration rejection surrender but most of all surrender to the divine mother that is a formula he ultimately gave but we see that uh, that was the whole purpose that sun is out there wonderful and we worship earth is what it is but is there a way that we can make these two equal and one this is the aspiration with which which shurbindo brings and this is this not the only time that he is doing it now very often when we read about uh, his life we have the standard fifth uh, you know from 15th august 1872 to 5th december 1950 after that what happens and before that what happens is unconnected but shurbindo's teaching and all mystic teachings teaches that there is a continuity so it's not only in this life so when nagin doshi uh, asked him a young disciple he said sir um, this life you are on earth as avatars but uh, there's one of the first places where we see directly someone asking him you are on earth as avatars but uh, what were you there in previous lives so he says we were there as vibhutis now he first time confirms that he was here as avatar he doesn't deny he doesn't say anything uh even when somebody asked him that we have i have the strong faith that you are the divine who has taken birth in a human body um as the avatar and shurbindo says that follow your faith it will lead you right <laughs> that was his his gentlemanliness perfect gentlemanliness so then he asked that well you were not on earth as avatar so what were you doing there as vibhutis so he says carrying on the evolution and then when he is asked uh, what does it mean sir carrying on the evolution he says to explain it i'll have to write the whole history of mankind so mother and shubindo it's not there like suddenly appearing and uh, vanishing this is a uh, disconnected way of looking at it shubindo and the mother are the divine uh, who has been on earth toiling and laboring since the earth has begun and mother speaks about it very categorically whenever and wherever there was a ray of consciousness to be manifested upon earth we were there and she even describes that we were there when the first humans came 
and she describes what it this side that side and then she finally points to one side which is what java man you must have heard she points toward java and uh, of course some people say africa some speak about the java uh, javanese uh, man so that's where she describes that how they were there mother and shobindo uh, to have the first humans emerge out of the animal kind and she describes that it was a very beautiful life material paradise that's the word she uses why because uh, human beings were in direct contact with nature almost like an animal but with the mind coming up a mind which is seeking for higher things but the moment the mind started developing the way we see today it has created mazes after mazes and endless complications all the problems and with no answers the problem is that the answer lies elsewhere answer is there but uh, when we feel that the answer has to be at the same level where the question is the purpose of question is to take us one step higher to find the answer so we see that just before the divine comes upon earth there is a lot of issues going on around that period and humanity is seeking answers and in response to that answer the avatar descends you know in savitri there is a very beautiful a uh, passage where narada has come to ashwapati no before that even uh, ashwapati is having the akashvani his own higher self so he is hearing uh, o force compelled powerful passage o force compelled fate driven earth born race o petty adventurers in an infinite world how long will you tread the circling tracks of mind around your little self and petty things but not for a changeless littleness where you meant not for vain repetition where you build it's a long passage it describes the human condition what man is freedom he has but needs to live in bonds a strange antinomy is his nature's rule our nature's rule and then it ends by saying um, that the gods are still too few in human forms that you know uh, this is what he receives from above that gods are still too few now gods have to be created upon earth and then he described then like a shining answer from the gods savitri comes so she comes as an answer of the gods yes there are few but there are some and what is their purpose one is the gods are laboring in this world to build life in the image of the divine that is the purpose so all the gods when we look at the vedic pantheon of gods Uh, ribhus the artisans of immortality who are humans who have become gods ashwins they are the ones who want us to uh, run the force of life to run harmoniously that's why they are twins and both the currents of life the current that leads to an upsurge what in modern medicine we would call it catabolism and anabolism <laughs> or <laughs> sympathetic and parasympathetic they are the ones who balance they are in perfect harmony so when they are in perfect harmony the life is beautiful it this perfect health so we have the ashwins we have agni so if agni becomes too low then you know ancient times ayurvedic physicians would touch and say uh, agni is too low why because we have spent it off destroyed it in various activities prithvi the element that holds things together it should be strong and stable basis jal the flow of life if you dam it like vritrasur you know he um, he prevents the flow of life like what's happening today uh, the the flow of life has been unnaturally constrained it's not healthy whatever may be the uh, people may say it's not healthy to constrain the flow of life because that's how life rejuvenates and rediscovers itself so it may be safe but it stops growing so you have to allow it to flow otherwise it becomes pond you know when 
people don't have this flow of life continuing through work, action, meeting, all this. So, uh, this is the state. And in Puranas, we see something very interesting. When earth reaches this point of constriction, because it's like a labor pain seeking a new birth. So, the earth goes to God and says that... Uh, Asura is trampling heavy. Asura is darkness, selfishness. Asura is trampling on my heart. Help me, Lord. This is how the Puranas, all the story of Tar comes. So the Lord smiles and says, Okay, I'll come. And he comes upon earth. So we know this uh, little bit of story. Earth asks God, says that, you know, I need redemption. What does God say? That is the poem, A God's Labor. God speaking to earth. When mother was asked, what is this poem about? Now I know there are people who say this is uh, um, to you is to the mother, but it's not true. It, it's there in collected works of the mother. Uh, what does this poem indicate? And the mother said, you should take it the way it is meant to be taken. It is God speaking to earth. So we read this first poem. It means Shurabindra and the mother have been there upon earth from time immemorial. So it's not just the, it is the final consummation of a long journey. That's what we see in the series of avatars. After all, what is this series of avatars? But starting from the fish avatar in water, to half land, half water, to land creature, to half human, half, um, you know, lion, and then to the dwarf man, which is the birth of the psychic being, the rajasic man, Parshuram, to the sattvic man, uh, Rama to the Trigunatid Bhavasavisachi Krishna and finally establishing Kalki who comes and establishes the kingdom of God upon earth. So very clearly we see that there is a continuum out here and that is what Shurabindo's poem A God's Labor uh, reveals to us. So it's about Shurabindo's deepest life not just about born and did this but the real work for which he has come and it's here that we see that the avataric aspect of Shirobindra and the mother brought to the forefront. It's equally valid for the mother. They are one consciousness. For the sake of work, they have become two. So we read something from this poem. It's uh, a poem written in uh, both Paruta and Pondicherry. A God's labor. This is God speaking to earth. So we are all we all carry something of the earth within us. And we all carry something of the divine within us. So the earth within us frets and fumes. When will this end? Some people ask, when will Corona end? So my simple answer is when fear will end. Oh, <laughs> yeah. When man, man will find natural ways to, you know, heal himself. When greed will end. When all these end, Corona will end. So it reminds you of a story. When somebody, Durvasa, has come to give a talk, you know, to all the Gwalbal. And they all say, sir, by the way, you know the future. Uh, when will Kansa's reign end? So Durvasa says that uh, little Krishna is also sitting. So Durvasa asks Krishna, shall I tell them your secret? Krishna says, you say what you want to say. They will understand what I want them to understand. <laughs> so he says, you know, when a little baby will lift Govardhan on his little finger, then you know that Kansa's reign has come to end. Now, you know, there are a group of people who Dhruvasa says and goes away. So they say, you know, what he meant, actually he meant that it's impossible. Have you ever seen a little baby lifting a mountain with his little finger? He it was a, he is a decent person, not so decent though. <laughs> but he was, he was his way saying, don't ask such impossible question. You know, it's not possible for Kansa's reign to end. So basically he is pointing the road towards Nirvana. 
then other group said, you know, I have heard in heaven you can do it. Uh, where they can actually do such impossible feats, but on earth you cannot. So again, he is pointing towards a post-mortem salvation of man. <laughs> That's the way people buy adherence. Uh, world is like this, but after death, I'll reserve a seat for you in heaven, provided you change your name and get some gifts. Not from heaven, but earthly gifts. <laughs> so, post-mortem salvation. <laughs> then, uh, third group says, Mama, I am not going to school from tomorrow. Why? Did you not hear about that little child? I'll do exercises. What if I am that little child? So, <laughs> these are the Shuravindonians <laughs> who believe they are going to change the world. But then, little Krishna is smiling. He will grow up. God shall grow up while the wise men talk and sleep. So, this is the descent of God, divine advent upon earth, which comes to save earth. And we may not hear it. Because we are too much drowned by our own noises and voices, by our own PhDs and super PhDs, by our own feeling vanity of self-importance. And yet God speaks and earth listens. A voice ill heard shall speak, the soul obey, a power into minds in a chamber steel. So this and beauty conquer the resisting world. So he speaks to earth. Why is he speaking to earth? Why not to man? Because man is like that. The moment he says, you know, I have a dream for you. What dream have you done for me? See my children. He has not got admission here. He will, man will question hundred things. So, Shurabindu did the best thing that he wrote it in Savitri. Now you keep on reading and let your... <laughs> so, people ask, sir, where is the process given in Savitri? What do I have to do? Do I meditate? No, no, read Savitri. That's enough. How can it be? Sir, is there a solution for my child? He is studying. I want him to come first in all the grades. Sir, Savitri, will it answer my question? So, man will ask these things. So, God will have a very tough time. He will surely run away. So, he speaks to earth and the earth listens. Mother says that the first beings who will respond are simple human beings and the flowers and the animals. Man, he says, oh, but those people who have worked upon themselves... Very difficult. She says they are the last people who will respond. <laughs> they will respond, so there is hope. So this is God speaking to earth, a God's labor. So what is God saying to earth? And this is your window's life. It begins from there. He is not speaking for the first time, but from times, sempiternal. This is the labor that he is engaged in, in each avatar. A little step toward this realization of this dream. Now comes the time for fulfillment of the dream. That comes toward the end. I have gathered my dreams in a silver air. Silver is the white expanse of the spiritual realm. Just as gold is supermind, silver is um, the spiritual realm. So he says, I have gathered my dreams in a silver air between the gold and the blue. Blue is the higher mind and super mind is gold. Now in the spiritual consciousness, I have brought my dreams and wrapped them softly, not very tightly. You just have to do a little and it will open up and left them there, my jewel dreams of you. I know, I have dreamt something for you, but I have left it there. Why haven't you brought it right here? Because matter is not ready. Very often people ask, why didn't Shurabindu write in very simple words? He has written, by the way, all letters on yoga are in very simple words. But the reason is that he wants us to at least, though it is a soft package, but do a little effort to open it. Read their works. So it's a little bit of effort. He has brought it so close. So he tells the earth that I have, Dreamt, I have my dreams for you and what the dream is mother writes in that famous uh, in volume 12 it is there a dream where he says what is her dream for earth and humanity 
that is the dream we should actually follow and work towards its fulfillment so he says i have dreamed of you and i brought it from the supramental so supramental is the transcendent state there it can remain it's beyond time it can remain for eternity so he says i have brought it down and placed it into the spiritual realm within the realm of the cosmic possibility so it's bound to manifest now see this is how creation proceeds from the purna pragya the hiranyagarbha he takes those dreams from the transcendent selection and then it goes through the sapna state all the layers of consciousness then the waking the last step so he has already brought it he is saying i have done that brought it from that inaccessible realm and placed it softly and laid them bare my jewel dreams of you what is the dream why does the divine come on earth if he has to just uh, you know give us some progeny and uh, school admission and all he can do it from there he doesn't need or there are countless vibhutis you don't even have to be vibhutis even the if you want some wealth even asuras are there to give you wealth so why does the divine come upon earth he comes only to link matter with the divine because for that he has to take a human body no vibhuti can do it so when he takes a human body he joins matter to the divine consciousness and that's what he says i'd hope to build a rainbow bridge marrying the soil to the sky by the fact that the divine takes a human body he leaves matter with the memory of the divine contact quivering with his touch with his ananda with his light with his truth and when he goes away apparently what we call as going away matter receives and matter remembers the touch it is bound to respond because it is now gone into imprint that is the beauty of matter somebody beautifully has said you know doing is remembering so you uh, try to understand the typewriter or the computer this thing code all in the mind see how many days it will last it evaporates same all feelings in the mind they will evaporate thoughts in the mind they will evaporate but put them into practice and you see it will stay you read about ideal love keep it in the mind wonderful and at the first moment when you have the opportunity to practice it you don't practice it so what happens it will always remain a dream oh world should be like this but it is not but the moment you put it in matter matter receives the imprint even if it fails yet the imprint has gone and it is bound to over a period of time express itself that's the beauty of course reverse is also true if we imprint all kinds of things on matter which are not uh, you know poor matter has to suffer because of that so that's the what he is speaking of i'd hope to build a rainbow bridge now rainbow is many colored so this bridge is nature rainbow always indicates you know so it, this is a bridge between soil and the sky so if you see the rainbow it comes for a short time and vanishes but many colored hues it's so beautiful even a moment's uh, touch of you know link between the heaven and earth can fill life with such wonder and delight marrying the soil to the sky and so in this dancing planet mitch the moods of infinity i don't want ek rasta ek rasta not rasta i don't want uniformity i don't want that everybody should look alike think alike speak alike if i wanted that i would have made such a world <laughs> i delight in diversity the delight of oneness in a delight of many foldedness that's what this earth is for unity in diversity so moods of infinity each one of us represents a mood of infinity an aspect of infinity 
and that's how that's what makes life wonderful like a big cosmic puzzle where if each one does what we are meant to do we bring the whole earth little nearer to solving the puzzle you see in a puzzle when you have a 5000 piece puzzle each piece that you find and keep at the right place makes the puzzle easier that's all that is required by us to do that which we are meant to do so he says moods of infinity now each one will like, express different mood of infinity infinity shiva is rudra and shiva is also ashutosh when he comes in rudra bhav everybody is krishna is the gwal bal and the you know murli dhar baake bihari and vansi dhar and krishna is also chakrapani <laughs> kalasmi bhava and many things in between but too bright were our heavens too far away too frail their ethereal stuff but what we brought to earth it's too bright man doesn't man wants something which is concrete too frail what have I, you brought for me lord i have brought ideal love sir uh, can we tone down a little i just want love from my wife or husband that would do <laughs> but they are untransformed they can't give you ideal love you embody it within yourself that is a possibility sir you mean i have to do sadhana to find perfect love yes my child you can't get ready made stuff from outside no is there a way sir i can give some dollars and get something like this sorry too ethereal who cares about perfect love flawless happiness flawless happiness no 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 there should be shadows if you don't have pain people have philosophy if you don't have pain how will you worship god a god who creates pain for his worship is to be a monster it's so simple whether you call it karmic law or anything if a god deliberately creates pain so that you worship him i mean human beings will be better than <laughs> so <laughs> so he says but too bright were our heavens too far away too frail their ethereal stuff too splendid and sudden our light could not stay the roots were not deep enough so we are so much living on the surfaces of life the roots are not deep enough we need to dig deep within where are the real roots of life deep into the heart where the creator himself is if we are rooted there then we can receive this light if we are living in the surface mind vital then it will be always this doubt that possibility this 101 things so it could not stay because there were very few people who are rooted deep within in the depths of their own being so the roots were not deep enough see this too frail their ethereal stuff i mean of course this is an exception but otherwise you ask an average youngster and their parents and teachers what is your dream all dreams are big money big success success defined by money and position poor youngster he is not even allowed to dream for himself and many of them bring beautiful dreams to earth imagine if a youngster says i want to be a poet take him to a psychiatrist i want truth my god what have you read too many talks on aroma or this that site <laughs> i want divine love please get married after that you think about divine love i want bliss peace ha huh, that you will get after retirement this is our approach so too frail our ethereal stuff 
and then he speaks about there is a difference between the human becoming the divine and the divine taking a human body it's a fundamental distinction between the avatar very often people think avatar is just somebody who has gone a little beyond and identified with the divine that is a yogin a yogin can identified with the divine through the evolutionary process but that's where it stays then he may because he has identified show the way to others he is a free person so he can be you know he can manifest the divine will in different ways but the avatar comes with a very very conscious purpose he need not be the way a yogin is identified with god he is god identifying with earth so there is a difference and shobindo gives an example he says uh, if you look at the avatar of you know somebody let's say a yogi or a saint Sri Sri Raman Maharishi or Sri Ramakrishna Paramahansa. So they had such wonderful experiences, isn't it? Without a doubt, great uh, luminary beings. Uh, you look at Lord Rama, but who is the one who captures the heart of millions? That's the beauty. The avatar is like that. He comes from his special work, and something within us recognizes. So this is where he is revealing this subtle truth of the avatar. God saying, "My Godhead, I have come down. It's God. I am already God. I don't need to prove a point. <laughs> I don't need to show miracles. I have come to open the way for the future, and for that I must enter into this dungeon, become one with Earth. So it's just the reverse process. God saying, 'My Godhead, I have come down here on the sordid Earth, ignorant, labouring, human grown.'" Tricks the gates of death and birth. So we have these stories when Rama is doing vilap for Sita Mata. So even Sati cannot understand that you know he is what kind of divine being. You are constantly bowing to him and saying, "Hey, Sachidanand Brahm, is this Sachidanand Brahm? He is crying like an ordinary person. Sita, Sita, where are you? Looking at the tendrils, looking at the flowers, and everything is asking for Sita. So." I think you have smoked a lot, and Shiva says, "Well, what I smoke is the different somras of Ananda, but the intoxication that you have, the intoxication of Avidya, that is far more dangerous." So Sati says, "No, but I am going to test," and he says, "Don't try this," but she comes to test the divine. How can Rama be God and do this? And she assumes the form of Sita. and hides a little bit in the shade of trees he is searching for sita he will see me and say sita but look at the difference those who are bewildered who recognize by forms they are fooled that is avidya those who understand each other by consciousness the formless essence will not be fooled by form there is a story of ahilya also story of jalandhar also the subtle kernel is is this truth in the formless essence of being or in form So she assumes the form of Sita, but Rama recognizes his mother. Why are you here? I am already doing vilap for my shakti. If you stay for long, the old man will start, you know, crying for you. Please go back. So you see, this uh, people don't understand the avatar because they want to. Uh, they have this idea: spiritual being means miracles. I will go mango manna, and he'll be instantly gratified. Well, avatar can do it. Rama could perform this that taking his name the you know stones floated because he is a divine being he touches uh, the jadavat pashan ahilya and she become but he it is not his life is not full of those impossible miracles 
There were so many other stones, so many other fallen beings. But yes, he could, the divinity could manifest any time through the layers. But that's not what Rama is about. Rama is about opening this door to a new possibility. So Avatar doesn't come to show dazzling miracles. He comes to open the way to the future. This we must remember. That's what Gandhari says. Krishna, you could have easily averted the war. Why did you let it go through this gory, this thing? And he says, yes, that's the path man has chosen. I have to respect his decision and yet lead him through where I want to lead him. That's the avataric aspect. That nothing, nobody, even Bhishma, Drona, Karna, none can stand before my will. But you can choose a path. You can embrace me as a lover and I'll crush your ego and manifest the life divine. Or you can embrace me as a wrestler like Chanud and Mustik did and Kansa himself and you'll be destroyed anyways, which way. So you have the delight of being the lover or you have the <laughs> delight of annihilation or the pain of annihilation. Subsequently, the delight. So he says that I have come and I have entered the gates of death and birth. So he seems to die, he seems to be born like us. But yet he is the deathless eternal who takes a human form. This is what we should not forget. It's a conscious birth. And when what we call as died, departed. In a meeting I had this people, a lot of people. But Shurabinda is now died and things like that, you know. So... Uh, where will we seek guidance all these things and you know so I asked them one question see you are 80 people right now present tell me Krishna is dead those who believe in it raise your hand everybody is quiet I said okay Christ is dead raise your hand nobody is raising it I said do you think something in your heart tells you it's an impossibility it's something which your heart contradicts say Krishna is dead you just can't say it your voice will stop your thoughts will stop functioning how can I I mean you can one can become completely crude and speak like that. Like a stone. Then you can speak. Otherwise, something within us says that no. This truth of Krishna, the truth of Rama, it continues and remains. The form goes away. So the same thing applies to Sri So that you know, his consciousness, his being, his personality remains upon earth. So he has entered into the gates of death and birth. Look at it. Look at the play of words. He is not saying tricks the gates of birth and death. That's our human. We as human beings will say like that. But how is the divine saying? Tricks the gates of death and birth. For him to enter here and take a human body is death. Because his Godhead, that splendor, all that he has to cramp and adapt to the falsehoods of earth nature. So it's already a death. And birth, the limitation. So look at the beauty of the way he uses with what perfection and finish the words. I have, I have been digging deep and long. How long, sir? Life since earth began. I have been digging deep and long. Made a horror of filth and mire. Sir, where are you? You must be sitting in supermind and you don't know where we are. No, sir, you are still on earth. I am in the subconscious filth. When mother was, you, you know, one day... One crow had done droppings and she was cleaning and she was asked, Duman Bhai Rashi's mother, I'll clean it. Oh my child, this is nothing. Every day I have to clean the filth of human consciousness. And we want to do mother's work. This is the mother's work. To clean this, at least to clean this filth a little. If we cannot, at least to be cheerful and happy. So difficult. She says, if you can remain cheerful and happy, you are helping me in my work. <laughs> Rest I will do. I have been digging deep and long, made a horror of filth and mire. This is a prayer of the mother. If you read it, 
1937 the last prayer which is for the sake of thy work i have sunk into the depths of hell and then she described the depths of hell what is it where there is ingratitude you know there are people who have everything in life and yet there is that oh, i don't have this ingratitude gratitude is the measure of the psychic opening in man ingratitude faith is spent faith is not born so we have that story in um, you know kaliyug where parikshit sees a bull with three legs broken one leg is there she says what is this she says i am dharma i am standing on one leg only what is that one leg she says faith all the aspects devotion all this is gone only the yagya is gone tap is gone faith shraddha but even that is not there in hell hope is not there there is only fear and greed and lust for power this is hell he says i have entered there why i have entered there a bed for the golden river song a home for the deathless fire i want to bring that fire here now we understand the deeper sense of bhagirath tapasya what is bhagirath tapasya he has to redeem 60000 children of sagar see the story is so symbolic i mean to imagine that he actually physically had 60000 children <laughs> well <laughs> they are the energies which have gone ori absolutely they enter into that patal lok where kapil muni is uh, you know because subconscious you have to only witness so he is witnessing that nature and they go there and they you know, all indra's plan but it turns out ultimately for good and he they mock at kapil muni so you know kapil muni eventually you know opens his eyes when he don't underestimate the power of a witness purusha <laughs> <laughs> don't take his immobility for cowardice huh the day he opens his eyes beware all 60000 is smashed they all pulverized into you know ashes now that is not the purpose of creation kapil muni could do it because he is seeking otherworldly withdrawal from world but they have to be redeemed they have to be transformed so sagar says what do i do solution is bring down the ganges not have more children and it's okay 60000 are gone you can have another at least two that is good enough no so the story is symbolic bring down ganges higher consciousness purifying power ganges is born out of the heart of vishnu in great devotion and faith when he looks at shiva dancing and brahma keeps it in his kamandalu so who will you know jatadhari gangadhar he receives the ganges the rest of story is well known and as she comes where does ganges go first see the story she enters into patal she becomes patal ganga that's where the problem lies so this transformation to be really really rooted deep has to enter into the subconscious and change things there so in this yoga you see that people when they undertake the yoga under the yoga shakti when the subconscious comes up all the past habits tendencies of earth nature not just individual because then you are no more an individual the way we understand an individual that narrow bandwidth of do's and don'ts the subconscious nature come up and it's has to be changed it has to be persistently offered so he wants to change it right there not just on the surface lipapoti but this doesn't mean that we say oh then it's good let me lake a dip into the subconscious when shubhendu was asked this he said my god my child nature will give you enough opportunities don't have to raise up troubles already there is enough trouble in our subconscious <laughs> don't in the name of yoga i will go through everything and say i am another experimental being in the laboratory of god that is not to be done it will come when it has to come and these are things which come after walking the path 
very long when you are rooted in the light not otherwise so he says i want to bring the deathless fire here golden river song now it is another ganga swarn ganga so this is the swarn ganga project of the divine <laughs> so not only on earth but deep inside because the roots of matter are in the subconscious that's why matter acts by habit physicists call it law but there is no law in the quantum world not the way we understand yet it's by law matter has this tendency you put it in a groove you set the earth spinning and it spins and spins and spins and spins for million years billions of years and everything in matter acts that's why the human body once you form a habit very difficult to break it because that's how matter operates so he says it can only be changed if the supramental ganga comes and changes thing in the subconscious he knows the real problem i have labored and suffered in matter's night this is real night to take an earthly body itself is night why because we don't know where the light is we don't know where the soul is the authentic light we don't know where the sun of the divine self shines i have labored and suffered in matter's night to bring the fire to man why i became human so that human beings can get that fire which can bridge through the contact with me but the hate of hell and human spite are my meat since the world began see his birth is not only now since the world began so when rama comes and says i want to humanize the monkeys i want to change the asura and questions are raised against him and mata sita they have to be separated world is not ready when krishna comes says i'll give freedom and delight you don't have to do anything listen to the call and dance to the flute few listen but the rest there is mahabharata now shurbindo comes something similar he says that human beings but sir are you sure is there a super mind shankara did not say this the past the mother at one place says that each avatar is the forerunner of a more perfect future realization but men have a tendency to deify the avatars of the past in contradiction to the avatar of the future now again shurbindo comes with this message and his message meets the same resistance as of those who preceded before him but tomorrow will prove the truth of his teachings and his work will be done so he says that man returns hate of hell why have you come here we were leading a very easy comfortable life now the moment you say yoga that means have to put some effort aspiration rejection surrender sir why are you saying all this to us we were having a nice life we believed in some religion going to temple bowing down why have you disturbed our life hate of hell the forces which are darkest see how shurbindo can you imagine being dragged by the british empire officials from his residence to the lal bazar police station can you imagine that day the doom of british empire was written in the book of the gods just as when duryodhana tried the last straw tai krishna and to disrobe drobadi he had written his own uh, you know fall the day ravana dared to touch sita his fall was certain unless he was he transformed so british empire was doomed because it the way he dragged shubhdu of course one of them said no no he is you know very educated don't have to drag him take him nicely so i mean by drag it means that they are walking fast so keep pace with me without respect so you can imagine that putting in the jail and all this so hate of hell 
and human spite are my mead since the world began. Why this happens? For man's mind is the dupe of his animal self. Dupe. It looks like brilliant, intelligent. But duplicate is the animal mind with a greater cunning. That makes it worse. See, animal world is very simple. You look at a cobra. If you get near, it will hiss and caution you. If you step on it, it will bite you. If you walk by the side, you know that this is a difficult creature. Go away. It will not harm you unless you enter its territory. But man, he will be very smiling, very nice and say, Sir, you are wonderful. You are the best person in the world. And Mukh mein Ram, Bagal mein Churi. Afzal Khan. So you have to meet like Shivaji. You know? <laughs> Whole history of humanity. Battle of Pelasi. You see, it's history of humanity is like that. Deception and all kinds. And human beings seem to enjoy. They think it's very clever. I'm not saying that if you, you know, there are situations where you... But cleverness for using deception for personal profit and gain. Selfish purposes. So cleverness to save yourself from a you know, difficult situation where you know, enemy has surrounded you and that's it, what is called as divine d- d- diplomacy. You have to come out of that impossible situation. But use cleverness to make profit, make gains. That's what you know, happens today. So man's mind is the dupe of his animal self and therefore it becomes worse. If it was just the animal self, it's okay. You see, some primitive human beings, they are fine. They will uh, use uncouth words and you stay away from them. But when the uncouth inside, barbarian inside, uses sophisticated words, say, Sir, please enter. You felt calm. But the eyes on your wallet, that's dangerous. Huh? So, <laughs> a pickpocketer, you know, this man looks like a pickpocket. He picks your pocket. But he doesn't hack into your, you know, entire banking system. <laughs> so, man's mind is the dupe of his animal self, hoping its lust to win. It believes that my lust will win. Since time sempiternal, that somehow my greed, my strong desires, world is made for this. It is meant to serve my desires. That's why God created animals, so that I can enjoy and eat them. That's why God created the world, so that I can use its resources. He harbors within him a grisly elf, enamored of sorrow and sin. As if man wants to lead an unhappy life. Sorrow, enamored of sorrow. You know, that's why some of these tragic songs which begin and end in tragedy. My life is like this and that and at the end, you know. Okay, fine, life may be starting like that, but end it on a beautiful note. Give it a positive turn. That's what is life about. Enamored of sorrow and sin, the grey elf, this is the being inside, the elf, the adverse forces, which are all the time on the watch, shudders from heaven's flame, and from all things glad and pure. Only by pleasure and passion and pain, his drama can endure. After listening to all about the supermind, somebody asked the mother, Mother, is it true that in the supramental world we won't need to eat food? Yes, my child, you won't need to eat food. Mother, then what will be the joy in living? Mother says, (laughs) if food is the only thing that gives you joy, 
please continue with that joint swing between restaurants and hospitals. They are very often close to each other. I, I suspect that there is a cut given by you. <laughs> Do that. Because you are not ready for a higher delight. It's not about not going to a place and enjoying a good meal. It's about living for that. As mother says, eat for living. Do not live for eating. But now we have a new term, foodies. And you know, people are so gaga about it. I have never understood that how this can be really taken as a compliment. I am a foodie. I know all about food. And all it's, of course, foodies are not just who are eating food. They know about food and they talk about the consciousness is all around food. It's not around anything. <laughs> so, but man loves pleasure and passion and pain. All around is darkness and strife. What does God see when he comes here? For the lambs that men call sons are but halfway gleams on this stumbling life. Cast by the undying ones. All these that you see, this Mazar and that uh, Makbara and that Prophet and that uh, somebody went by, half a gleams. Do they really solve the real problem of life? They don't even understand it. Forget about solving it. But that's convenient. Why? Because when I go to this Hamari Mannat Puri, at the end of the day, Hamko kya milega? Man wants to go to God. What are you going to give me? And when God says, well, first I'll take away from you. Sir, my purse. No, no, purse is not what I'm interested in. Okay, you have relief. Sir, what will you take away from me? Ignorance. Then people don't know ignorance. Okay, ignorance I'll give you. What else you'll take from me? I'll take away your desires. Now comes a problem. Sir, desires make me happy. What will move me in life? I'll achieve nothing. I'll have no ambition. Sir, are you sure you're going to take this away? Yes, my child, you must empty the cup to receive the new thing. Okay, we'll think about it and get back to you. <laughs> of course, people get back in the hope that anyways, there is a divine power. <laughs> so this, uh, so halfway. Uh, now this is even when the divine comes. And many times he goes to all these places which are nothing but halfway gleams. Even with divine, they want only this much. It's like going to the king of kings who can just, if he wants, make you, you know, uh, in his council of ministers. But you say, give me some hundred, two hundred rupees. And I'll come again after ten days and ask from you. And he'll say, okay, fine, I'll tell my outside, there's a man standing. You can tell him and take it. That's not how the divine operates. But for the lambs that men call sons are but halfway gleams on this stumbling life cast by the undying ones. Read many of these books when people compare this philosophy, that philosophy and then they talk about Sri I just wonder, have you really read? Have you really thought about the problems of existence? What are the real issues? It's not about comparing thought and philosophy and vijnana and jnana. The problem of man is that we are still subject to disease, error, suffering, pain, evil. This is the real problem. What is the solution to it if there is? What is the cause of it if you know it? Man lights his little torches of hope. You see, candlelight. So we light his little torches of hope that lead to a failing edge. You know, that light hardly illumines a little bit. A fragment of truth is his widest scope. 
an inn his pilgrimage so what is an inn inn is just a you know place where we go to rest and for a while for a maybe a night we stay or a few place so he calls it pilgrimage so this also you know we go have this two pilgrimages badrinath and kedarnath and we look for a place to stay for one night and after that stay for one week then we start missing the cell phone the people the food and everything <laughs> stay in one of those dharmashalas where you know hot water is given by the person and after one two days you say achhe darshan ho gaye let's go back in his pilgrimage is something like that you know you don't even want to identify with the great god who is there forget about and here he is talking of the divine now instead of the divine we are happy with halfway homes of the spirit and in his pilgrimage the truth of truths men fear and deny when you tell them something like supermind oh this i don't understand tell them this is maya and this i understand though it is the most illogical thing tell them get up in the morning touch the feet of your parent this very nice nice teachings tell them instead that more than the parents it is truth dharma that is important sir don't talk like shri krishna he corrupted the mind of the youth and the other fellow who did was socrates don't talk all these things parents are devatas and teachers they are super devatas we have to worship them truth is to be worshiped truth is to be respected the divine law has to be worshiped and respected but here the truth of truths men fear and deny krishna was denied nobody believed he is god christ was feared can you imagine that the entire empire was afraid of a man who didn't even have a little you know 12 people and they were afraid of him why were they afraid of him they knew that his idea has power it can change the entire thing it can set people free so christ is dangerous shorbindo the most dangerous man in india british parliament proceedings krishna we must somehow manage this fellow even unarmed he is dangerous so this is how we are that you know the truth of truths men fear and deny the light of lights they refuse the source to ignorant gods they lift their cry or a demon altar choose and this is something to be very cautious about shubhendra even goes on to say that those who run after miracles dazzling miracles they can sometimes come in the grip of very dangerous and diabolic powers imagine a blind god just giving you what you want even a human mother will not do it if she really loves and cares for you and imagine you know giving you everything that you want this is the straight road to perdition but people like such a god very convenient god and you have to do nothing much you have to just give a little bit of i don't want to you know further specify but plenty of places kuch nahi some place you just do a gaant band do take a chunni and you know tie put a chadar and you will your wish will be granted wish fulfilling god very dangerous god no because he is actually telling you i am digging a ditch each wish whereas you see the authentic ones what does the gita teaches rise above all these lures look at the life of rama look at the teachings of christ look at what shurbindo brings the buddha all these to rise and transcend our petty self but we don't want that so we go to a demon altar 
most of the shrines nowadays are occupied by these demonic beings mother has said that and they take a grip of the human mind because uh, they are like a dark spider's web so you go to these places and you it's surprising some people other day were were saying that how come so many people are taken away by this isis propaganda and you know uh, how some of these intelligent people your intelligence can't work anything in front of that dark web the words that will be spoken to you know brotherhood we want the whole world to become we believe in brotherhood you kill your own brothers that will be hidden from your eyes brotherhood so wonderful doctrine so this is how human nature is like in the grip of the asura all that was found must again be sought each enemy slain revives so you see that's the story so far that hiranyakashipu and hiranaksha are slain and they come back again as kansa and shishupal or even before that as ravana and meghnath or kumkarna they are slain they come as kansa and shishupal they are slain they come back as hitler and stalin so this time the mother wants to change when she was told now hitler is dead it has been an occult death everybody within the ashram context knew that it was the mother's force which had slain him his death is remains a mystery she says yes my child but that is not enough because he will have countless emanations there will be chinna chinna hitler so many hitlers all of us carry a hitler within us all of us carry a talibani within us and it is that which supports this kind of this larger evil is nothing but the uh, offshoot of what is inside us that must be slain in its own den in its own den yes the lord of nations falsehood asura of death there one has to fight so that's how shirbindra and the mother carried the battle to the last level each battle forever is fought and refought through vistas of fruitless lives and then we are all the time telling god that you know i have this problem that problem once in a while we should ask him rama you have been travelling in search of mata sita you must be hungry i have some nice plums for you i have tasted the good ones come i'll press your feet for tonight you don't want to ask anything from me no 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 i know what you already know what is best for us once uh, somebody gave to the mother a little rose pink rose and the mother saw it and said this is tender love for the divine and he said you know such a flower is not found even in heaven i want to take it to my super heaven out there tender love for the divine hanuman lord tell me i am here to serve you whoever approaches you are here to serve me you better fulfill my wishes otherwise you are not god so he says my gaping wounds are a thousand and one what wounds the divine when he takes a human body human consciousness then how do we wound him by ingratitude by faithlessness by doubts imagine shubhendu writing books after books of course uh, books have come later on he gave up his actually literally the sight of his physical eyes to give light to the world and after reading if you ah it is very difficult or i don't know whether he has written doubts 
what he must be experiencing inside of course outwardly there is nothing but compassion and amrit given to man but the poison is swallowed inside especially when his own children we don't believe you really maybe you are saying so mother's love and so many examples so these are the wounds we give to the lord wounds are not just in a combat with arrows and guns far worse wounds are from our thoughts feelings from words from our things that we speak about the lord even casually sometimes who knows we have not seen the supermind these are the wounds to the lord that i have come to give this to you i know it trust me no we can't trust you i must see it with my own eyes my gaping wounds are a thousand and one and the titan kings assail why because we support all of us support the asura within us but i dare not rest till my task is done but he says it doesn't matter let the whole world stand against this is a prayer of the mother she says she saw that the entire earth had risen up in revolt and then she takes it into her arms and soothes and caresses and she says i knew that the earth is saved so when the lord manifests everybody stands in revolt but i dare not rest till my task is done and rot the eternal will how they mock and sneer both devils and men what do they say devils and men thy hope is shimra's head you know shimra is um, winged horses they are not found on earth unless you use symbolically chetak ghoda was flying like this why is the shimra it means they are truths steeds in heaven where your thoughts when they are luminous even human thought if it can be become luminous then it can run with that kind of intensity and force and light not just intensity and force so shimra so his he has seen foreseen hundreds of years thousands of years into the future but man says i hope is shimra's head painting the sky with its fiery stain thou shalt fall and thy work lie dead that all that you are saying it is all vain one day you will also fall and your work will be lost there is nothing show us the supermind right now in spite of shurbindo's letters physical immortality is the last crown mother saying it will take thousand of years at least thousand years for the new race still i want it instantly because we live in a mcdonald culture we don't have that patience to wait and wait with trust endure the journey the passage who art thou that babblest of heavenly ease and joy and golden room to us who are waves on inconscient seas and bound to life's iron doom we are born to live born and die we are nothing bubbles and you want to tell us give us a dream of supermind and the supramental race and the new creation who are you showing us these kind of imaginations this earth is ours a field of night let us live our life our own way let's enjoy eat drink party be merry take debt don't return it that's i mean charvak siddhant please don't quote and misquote charvak said this no that you take eat drink be merry take lot of debt 
never return it because there is no afterlife. So he says that's what a lot of people believe in it. The way they fool people, they ask money, saying this, that, and at the end of the day, it's all gone because Charvaki is not a man but a way of life, and that's the reason he is accepted in Indian thought, so that people know that there is a way of life like that. <laughs> people call it our philosophy. It's a way of life which India included in it so that people are conscious that there is a dupe sitting in the name of a philosopher. But people think that he was a great philosopher. Now that's their problem. This earth is ours, a field of night for a petty flickering fires. For a petty flickering fires. How shall it brook the secret light or suffer a God's desires? Look at the line, suffer. What is God's desires? Perfection upon earth. Perfect love, flawless happiness, perfect truth. Oh, this is too much. Thodi khushi, thoda gum. Our range is little happiness, little sorrow. Family, that's happiness we can think about. Don't ask us to think of cosmos and earth, too big for us. So what do they do? Come, let us slay him and end his course. Then shall our hearts have release. After that we'll build a church around him. And we'll have a lot of lectures. But first we must slay him. If he remains, it's dangerous for our freedom. Come, let us slay him and end his course. Then shall our hearts have release from the burden and call of his glory and force. And the curb of his wide, white peace. That peace that prevents us from you know, leading our life in all kinds of directions. This is too much. So if he is gone, we will have a sigh of relief to live a life the way we want. So this is where the Asura ends, the demons and men, or men under the influence of demons. But, but the God is there in my mortal breast who wrestles with error and fate. He has come to do that. When Champaklalji told Mother, Mother, you are standing so long for Darshan, your feet are getting swollen. Mother, you must take some rest. Mother smiles and says, But my child, I have come for this. But the God is there in my mortal breast who wrestles with error and fate and tramples a road through mire and waste for the nameless immaculate. This God does not rest. He wants to have a passage, immaculate, the pure, Achyutam, Akshitam, that is immaculate, the perfect, Pavitra, in the highest sense. I want to bring that purity of the divine here, beyond name and forms. Because the moment you have name and forms, it's, it becomes diminished. So he's saying, uh, for the nameless immaculate, a voice cried, go where none have gone. Where is the problem? Problem is in the dungeon. That's where the children of evil, mother of falsehood and darkness, you have to go and meet her. How? She will not come. Because if I go as light, she will not come. Wheel the light and go and say, I want to marry you. Carrying in my breast God's deathless light, I came a dark and dangerous heart to woe. Shurbindo's poem, Pilgrim of the Night. 
A voice cried, Go where none have gone. Dig deeper, deeper yet, till thou reach the grim foundation stone and knock at the keyless gate. That's where the inconscient. Subconscient we know. But inconscient, you just don't know. Knock at the keyless gate. One more passage we'll read and maybe we'll stop. I saw that a falsehood was planted deep at the very root of things, where the grey sphinx guards God's riddle sleep on the dragon's outspread wings. Maybe this will do tomorrow. So I'll stop with this. A voice cried, Go where none have gone. Dig deeper, deeper yet, till thou reach the grim foundation stone and knock at the keyless gate. Now in every avatar's life we see that there is a battle between what is conventionally called as good and bad. But it's not between good and evil, but between truth and falsehood. And if we look at it from the deepest standpoint, it's the superconscient and the inconscient. So inconscient is the shadow of the superconscient. So that's that's where the real battle lies. So if that can be taken care of, then earth and human life would flourish very beautifully. So that's the solution that Sri Aurobindo gives. I mean, he there is a responsibility of man, but man is not the sole responsible person on this planet because he is not the creator. So with regard to, um, when we look at Sri Aurobindo's uh, yoga, he accepts that the ultimate burden, the last buck, it stops with the divine. And since creation is essentially an extension of the creator, the solution also has to be found by the creator. Now, this doesn't mean man can act irresponsibly. Man has a role and his role is to align himself with the creator rather than with the forces of ignorance and darkness and falsehood. Now, the whole yoga is tailored toward that. As we have seen, that when the demons and men, very often men, echo the voice of the demons, they throw doubt, despair, uh, darkness, uh, evil. When the divine beings come to give us the uh, cross, we, we, the crown, we pay it back with the cross. So this must stop. Man must align himself with the divine, with faith, with surrender, with aspiration, accept the possibility of a greater life and um, thereby find the road further. The divine leads, but he does not uh, push us. He doesn't drive us like that. He leads us, he guides us, he carries us, provided we are willing to be carried. So this is the, um, we, we see that this is the main issue and uh, the avatar has this higher self with which he communicates. So on one side he has become the, the human, at the same time he doesn't cease to be divine and this greater self gives this um, invitation or rather this uh, challenge, this guidance, a voice cried, this is the voice of his own higher self, go where none have gone. So while it applies to all avatar, at some point they have this kind of command to, to go in a certain direction, they are manifestation of the divine, but each of the manifestation, each of the avatars, it takes a certain station of consciousness. And as is the plane of consciousness, so is the possibility of acting upon earth. So the shadow it can tackle is commensurate with the station of consciousness it takes. Now Shurbindo takes the station of consciousness, his station is the supermind. Therefore, 
the entire difficulties of the earth can be annihilated. It's not that other avatars could not do it. They are all divine. Gurus are all divine. Ultimately, even human beings, every bird and beast and stone is divine. But that is truth of the essence. But when an avatar comes, it is a certain power with which he is armed. For instance, Rama, though divine, Rama had to lead the animal man into a more rational, more sattvic, more, <coughs> more illumined humanity. That was Rama's purpose. So he takes that station in the illumined mind. Whereas Buddha, when he comes, he has to take uh, humanity still further out of the manifestation. He has to take humanity out of the manifestation. This too can be done by taking station in the illumined mind. So depending upon the kind of work, avatars, the same divine takes his station at a, at a plane of consciousness and thereby limits his actions and his powers to that. Though deep within is the same divine. So this is a mistake often people make that all avatars are the same. So what does it matter? Yes, all are manifestations of the divine. All are conscious descents of the divine. Yet each takes a certain station depending upon what the previous avatars has built up and takes on from there. And the greater, the higher the station, the greater the challenge and the greater the difficulties. Actually, it's just like in human beings, the shadow is equal to the possibility of light within us. So here we see the supramental avatar tackling right with the inconscient, which is the ultimate bedrock of um, all the difficulties and problems that we experience, all the evil, all the falsehood. And so he gets the command, go where none have gone. Dig deeper, deeper yet, till thou reach the grim foundation stone and knock at the keyless gate. So what does he discover when he go there? When he goes there, I saw that a falsehood was planted deep at the very root of things, where the graze things guards, gods riddle sleep on the dragon's outspread wings. So he is describing the inconscient at the very root of things, where the gray sphinx. Now gray sphinx is the shadow of the golden sphinx. So the golden sphinx is, uh, you know, the great goddess, uh, the world mother, but in the Greek mythology, you see like that. She holds the secret of creation. And it is she who lets us pass into the beyond. So the shadow of the golden sphinx is the gray sphinx, which carries the word that can slay the soul. So we see where the gray sphinx guards, God's riddle sleep. Why it's a riddle? Because in that state also God is there, but God is asleep. Meaning thereby he has entered into a state of utter unconsciousness on the dragon's outspread wings. So dragon again we see, dragon is used in both sense. On one side dragon is a, you know, can be seen as a powerful divine energy. On the other hand, we see that the dragon is um, representative of the power of the inconscient as the great serpent which can fly, which can constrict everything. So this is where Shirobindo goes into the very root of things. Now here there is a very riddling uh, sentence that I saw that a falsehood was planted deep. So who planted the falsehood? Now this is very interesting where in the larger scheme of things, in the greatest scheme of things, this resistance itself has been something which has been planned and willed. So why it is planned and willed? It is planned and willed to make the creation far more perfect than it could have been without it. So if you have to bring out strength, you must bring out the challenge. So this falsehood is essentially the challenge thrown at the soul which carries the powers of truth. And through this wrestle, through this challenge, through this opposition, these powers emerge and eventually that individual soul can grow into its divine manhood. So this is what we see revealed here. And for that, 
uh, he has to plunge into this darkness which is something unprecedented we hear about yogis taking off from the mind and going into the higher realms we hear about great masters operating from the higher realms but as far as the lower world is concerned they leave it to fate forces of fate of karma uh, they don't interfere they say we cannot interfere this will carry on this is another kind of management but here shirbindo goes right into these depths i left the surface gods of mind and lives unsatisfied seas so he leaves all those surface um, holds of the mind and the unsatisfied seas of life where there is a wish there is dreams there are hopes but really nothing that materializes and plunges through the body's alleys blind the mystery is here because um, the body is the meeting point very interestingly because when we look at the involutionary process then we see that the divine consciousness in the process of involution it creates heavens the higher worlds the higher worlds of mind then the lower mind worlds then the life world the greater life world the lower wide worlds and then it plunges from the subtle physical into the inconscient so the body is when the rescue starts so body is the product of the rescue the labor of love the divine consciousness then plunges into the inconscient and as it tries to bring it out so the human body is a interesting construct where there is something of the spark of the divine which is the chief resident whereas there is a lot of power of the inconscient still it's like when we are waking up from sleep so this is a typical example so when we wake up from sleep we don't immediately get up we are not straight away fresh and cheerful we are as if still pulled by the tremendous tamas our reactions our responses are of that kind so this state of sleep in which consciousness had gone when it comes out because of the pressure of love which has plunged into creation we see matter is created but yet because it is coming out straight from the inconscient the whole it hold is maximum upon the body upon matter itself but as life emerges as mind emerges it begins to become a little bit free from this stranglehold though still the shadow is there right up to the rational mind we see the shadow is there from the higher mind onward the shadow begins to change a little bit yet this whole field is under the shadow but in matter upon matter the grip is very very hard very strong iron grip leaden grip and that's why we see that matter does not readily respond to the higher consciousness this is the reason why when people are sick unwell they pray to god it takes time because matter is impervious even to change one law upon earth which is rooted in matter is very difficult so that's where he has to plunge and plunge through the body's alleys blind to the nether mysteries this is the route he takes through the body cells into them and from that right into the atomic molecular and the subatomic worlds he enters into the inconscient doors i have delved through the dumb earth's dreadful heart dumb is here completely without any intelligence without any awareness without any voice and that is the heart which is as hard as stone and heard her black mass bell where all these powers of darkness are called invoked and gathered together i have seen the souls whence the agonies part and the inner reason of hell so the inner reason of hell is precisely this to oppose the plan and by opposing interestingly to justify to help to justify the entire emergence and to facilitate the 
complete a perfection which wouldn't have been without the opposition. Above me, the dragon murmurs, moan, and the goblin voices flit. I have pierced the void where thought was born. I have walked in the bottomless pit. So this shadow, this inconscient is also infinite. That's why one should never try to test it. And if one gets caught into it, it's like a quicksand which sucks us inside. So it's a bottomless pit and its typical symbol is hunger, which is coming up from this void or the abyss. So this hunger never gets satisfied. And out of this hunger, the desire is born. On a desperate stair my feet have trod, armoured with boundless peace. Desperate stair because beyond that you don't get the sense of any further step. It's like a plunge into the inconscient. Bringing the fires of the splendour of God into the human abyss. So we see this story somewhere around 1946, uh, around that time. When um, Shubhindu was bringing down the supramental, but it was very difficult because the human consciousness was not ready. And at that point of time, uh, instead of blaming man, he actually entered into the inconscient because he saw that is the root. Same experience the mother describes much later in the agenda. In her 59 message, we see that where she saw that why is humanity not responding to the divine consciousness and she enters through the mind. Now, mental inconscient is far worse. Because mental inconscient has become very rigid, well-formulated, well-organized. Its doubts are very powerfully uh, you know, established. So she enters through these jagged edges of the mental inconscient um, through which the inconscient gets its voice, the voice of the devil as one can say and goes deep inside into that abyss. But of course below the abyss she sees the seeds of the new creation lying in the spring of the new creation which is held within the inconscient itself so this is the experience which mother describes in great detail uh, with reference to a message where she speaks of at the very bottom of the inconscious she goes deep inside and uh, through a very stifling passage and there she comes across an almighty spring which throws us up and that contains the seeds of the new creation so something very similar we see now these seeds have been buried since the very beginning into the bed of inconscience. Each avatar comes to release it a little. It gets entangled, it gets lost. But these are divine seeds, so they will never really die. So they just wake up a little bit. So each avatar comes and pulls it a little bit closer to the surface by awakening within it the dream, divine, the real idea with which it has come. It is uh, embedded within it. So he goes there with what armor? Armored with boundless peace. Because otherwise this is a realm where uh, it's a realm of complete turbulence, um, desolation, despair. He who I am was with me still. So this is the difference. When a man goes into the pit, he goes helpless. He doesn't know where he is going. There are people who enter into a state of despair and even lose their life. But when the divine goes into that, he is still the divine. He goes into it faces the grim battle in real earnest but he does not cease to be divine that's why he can do the work um, but all the battles that are fought are real earnest battle I mean he could be harmed he could be injured but he is conscious of that divinity and thereby he enters into it he who I am was with me still all veils are breaking now I have heard his voice and borne his will on my vast untroubled brow so these are the veils in which 
the seed is buried and these are the ways that prevent man from reaching the divine and uniting with him so he is the one who is rending all the veils and tearing all the coverings so that the earth and the divine can become one the gulf twixt the depths and the heights is bridged so this is the rainbow bridge that he comes and brings for earth the gulf twixt the depths and the heights is bridged and the gold and waters pour this is the supramental ganges entering into the earth and below down the sapphire mountain rainbow ridged and glimmer from shore to shore so sapphire mountain is mountain always indicates the ascent of the physical consciousness and sapphire where the the luminous mind it is touching and it's it's a mind of light which is touching upon the earth and this becomes the bridge from where the uh, the connection is made between that part and the other shore the other shore of boundlessness which is the supramental world what else has he done heaven's fire is lit in the breast of the earth and the undying suns here burn so there are several descriptions of the sun one of the description is martha and he who is hidden in the darkness and is struggling to come out that's a real battler uh, he's a warrior he's undertaken a battle so that's where this light comes and now the abyss is lit up by the undying suns through a wonder cleft in the bounds of birth all birth is a limitation but there are within it clefts there are within it pauses there are within the, the movements of time pauses through which god can let in and there are within this uh, configuration of space and the matrix there are clefts there are gaps through which the divine consciousness can enter the incarnate spirits yearn through a wonder cleft in the bounds of birth the incarnate spirits yearn and then he describes what is there in great detail given in savitri i saw the omnipotent flaming pioneers come crowding down the amber stairs of birth so here he describes it in few lines like flames on the kingdoms of truth and bliss like flames to the kingdoms of truth and bliss down a gold red stairway went so from there these are the new children beings of the greater world greater consciousness who have waited for centuries uh, some of these great um, uh, you know yogis who wanted the good of the earth but could not maybe in the vedic age maybe subsequently in different ages of mankind who have waited for this moment to come down even the gods have waited to come down for this moment and this gold and red is a significant color because gold is the color of the supramental and red is the color of earth so the moment the Uh, highest consciousness touches the earth it assumes this golden red hue that's what we see in the morning sun the early morning sun has this gold red hue because it's the first touch of the higher light upon earth so it's described beautifully down a gold red stairway when the radiant children of paradise clarioning darknesses and so in this age we will see more and more gods we hear the story of gods being born so these are the radiant children of paradise are the gods and they are waiting for this moment now they are being born um, they are incarnating they are yearning for a greater light and they are using even human instruments even soul psychic beings that are ready they are fusing with some of these psychic beings and becoming powerful in their action upon earth a little more and the new life's doors shall be carved in silver light so silver light as we know is the spiritualization of life so a, a little more and we will see that uh, the human life becomes a 
truly spiritual life. By spiritual life is not meant a life of meditating monk. That's hardly life. That is running away from life. But a spiritual life is a life lived with a spiritual consciousness. Where it is moved by a greater consciousness. Where all the activities from sleep, eating, drinking, meeting people, going for a walk, playing a game, reading, meditating, speaking, listening, work with hands, everything is moved by a spiritual consciousness. That is spiritual life. But people have made a false antagonism between spiritual life and material life, wherein spiritual life is a life of meditation and withdrawal from the world, whereas material life is where we have, uh, you know, we are uh, drenched or entrenched in the material world. Truly speaking, this antagonism is false. A material life lived with a spiritual consciousness is spiritual life. Whereas a so-called spiritual life, people sitting for meditation, going for discourses, but lived with a material idea, material motive is a material life. So, a little more and the new life store shall be carved in silver light with its aureate roof. So, once there is a spiritualization, then the next is aureate roof. The supramentalization of the rates which is waiting. So, we see these radiant children, the... Uh, who will carry on darknesses and is the psychic beings which are yearning for the greater truth. And then we have these gods which come infused with uh, the, the souls that are ready, higher states of consciousness, higher beings. And then we have the spiritualization of life. And then we have the uh, orient roof, the supermind which is waiting to fully manifest upon earth. So this is a perfect program with its orient roof and mosaic float. So there is the multiplicity is preserved. It's not going to annul, but each aspect gets its divine place in the totality of creation. So that's the mosaic floors in a great world, bare and bright. So in a world that is um, bare of what? It is. It reveals the divine. The divine is no more under veils. So bare and the divine radiance, the divine bliss, the divine light, the divine love, it pervades this world, this material world. This is what will happen. So this final thing is the divinization. And then at the end, he tells earth, reassuring with a promise. So we have each each divine being comes and gives a promise. So for instance, we see in the Bible, uh, Christ giving a promise that I am the path and I am the way towards, you know, a heaven upon earth or a kind of salvation. Then there is, we see Buddha, Buddham Sharnam Gachami, Dhammam Sharnam Gachami, Sangham Sarnam Gachami. So he too gives a path. Krishna comes and he also gives a promise. Aham Tva Sarva Pape Bhyo Mokshi Shami Mahasucha. What is the promise that Sri Aurobindo gives the earth? And this is the promise. I shall leave my dreams in their argent air. So all the dreams he has brought to the stage of the spiritual mind where they are being left they are already now in the realm of the cosmic consciousness and through a process of ascension of human consciousness out of the limiting mind it will come in contact with these higher states which will start manifesting upon earth for in a raiment of gold and blue so gold as we know is the supramental so the new dress for earth that he has planned in a raiment of gold and blue Blue is at once the higher mind. Blue is also Shirobindo's color. Blue is the color of the vast sky. So for in a raiment of gold and blue, they shall move on the earth, embodied and fair, the living truth of you, the living earth, the conscious earth, the immortal earth, that will express itself, the soul of earth, that will express itself through the material casement, through the material body of the earth as we know it. So this is the labor and 
इट इज द वर्क दैट शुरबिंदो केम टू डू इट इज द वर्क दैट ऑल अवतार्स एक्चुअली ट्राई टू डू दे कम टू सेंसिटाइज मैटर टू द डिवाइन टू द स्पिरिट एंड टू द डिग्री दैट इट कैन हैपन अर्थ मूव्स वन स्टेप फॉरवर्ड बट विथ शुरबिंदो एंड द मदर दे डोंट वॉन्ट इट टू मूव वन स्टेप फॉरवर्ड एंड हाफ अ स्टेप बैकवर्ड बट टू टेक द लीप from this forward march which is still taking place within the shadow to that state where there is evolution from light to greater light freedom to greater freedom from joy to greater joy so this is the work of the avatar shurbindo i'll quickly read the whole poem once just in quietude so that we can offer a gratitude to shurbindo for what he has done if we can just feel this that this is the touch of the divine to redeem earth and since we to carry something of the earth if we can connect with faith because earth needs such connecting instruments he has come to us the earth but what is the bridge between earth and god is us because we have something of the earth within us a lot of things and we also have something of the divine within us so we have to through faith connect ourselves to the divine and know that he has descended upon this earth that sublime mystery that supreme mystery to redeem it from its fallen state into the status of the god which is its living truth so we'll read it and contemplate and on this beginning of the centenary or rather 150th year of shurbindo's birthday let us inwardly take a pledge the lord has given the promise so we can take a pledge that yes we'll do what best we can the utmost that we can to become conscious bridges because unconsciously still the work will go on to become conscious bridges between earth and the sky and the heavens so that all our activities movements thoughts feelings will actions are more and more inspired by higher and higher states of consciousness till all in us is eventually it belongs to the mother is moved by the mother is an expression and a manifestation of the divine will in material body this is the goal this is the program let it take whatever centuries it takes but we steadily move in that direction with faith surrender aspiration and the endurance and perseverance needed for the journey now the poem a god's labor i have gathered my dreams in a silver air between the gold and the blue and wrapped them softly and left them there my jeweled dreams of you I'd hope to build a rainbow bridge marrying the soil to the sky and so in this dancing planet mitch the moods of infinity but too bright were our heavens too far away too frail their ethereal stuff too splendid and sudden our light could not stay the roots were not deep enough he who would bring the heavens here must descend himself into clay and the burden of earthly nature bear and tread the dolorous way i think we had left these lines uh, when we were reading so this is the way of the avatar he who wants to bring the heavens to earth he must enter into earth into its night into its obscurity assume this cloak of obscurity then only he can 
not only set an example for those who are struggling here, if he does everything from the heavens, then what, what is that example and the influence that he can leave for earth? So he must assume the earthly nature. So all avatars have this double side. On one side, there is the divine element. On the other side, there is the human element. If you look at the human element, we may miss the divine portion. If sometimes we look at the divine portion only and we miss the work of the avatar. But the avatar is at once divine and human or shall we say divinely human. The divine becomes human so that human in us can become divine. He who would bring the heavens here must descend himself into clay and the burden of earthly nature bear and tread the dolorous way. Coercing my Godhead I have come down here on the sordid earth. Ignorant, laboring, Human grown, twixt the gates of death and birth. I have been digging deep and long, mid a horror of filth and mire, a bed for the golden river's song, a home for the deathless fire. I have labored and suffered in matter's night to bring the fire to man. But the hate of hell and human spite are my meed since the world began. For man's mind is the dupe of his animal self. Hoping its lusts to win, he labor, he harbors within him a grisly elf, enamored of sorrow and sin. The grey elf shudders from heaven's flame and from all things glad and pure. Only by pleasure and passion and pain his drama can endure. All around is darkness and strife for the lambs that men call sons are but halfway gleams on this stumbling life cast by the undying ones. Man lights his little torches of hope That lead to a feeling edge. A fragment of truth is his widest scope. And in his pilgrimage. The truth of truths men fear and deny. The light of lights they refuse. To ignorant gods they lift their cry. Or a demon all to choose. All that was found must again be sought. Each enemy slain revives, each battle forever is fought and refought through vistas of fruitless lives. My gaping wounds are a thousand and one, and the titan kings assail, but I dare not rest till my task is done and wrought the eternal will. How they mock and sneer, both devils and men! Thy hope is Shimra's head, painting the sky with its fiery stain. Thou shalt fall and thy work lie dead. It's an impossibility, Shimra. Who art thou that babblest of heavenly ease and joy and golden room to us who are waves on inconscient seas and bound to life's iron doom? This earth is ours, a field of night. For our petty flickering fires, 
how shall it brook the sacred light or suffer a god's desires come let us slay him and end his course then shall our hearts have release from the burden and call of his glory and force and the curb of his white white peace but the god is there in my mortal breast who wrestles with error and fate and tramples a road through mire and waste for the nameless immaculate a voice cried go where none have gone dig deeper deeper yet till thou reach the grim foundation stone and knock at the keyless gate i saw that a falsehood was planted deep at the very root of things where the grey sphinx guards god's riddle sleep on the dragon's outspread wings i left the surface gods of mind and life's unsatisfied seas and plunged through the body's alleys blind to the nether mysteries i have delved through the dumb earth's dreadful heart and heard her black mass bell i have seen the souls whence her agonies part and the inner reason of hell above me the dragon murmurs moan and the goblin voices flit i have pierced the void where thought was born i have walked in the bottomless pit on a desperate stair my feet have trod armored with boundless peace bringing the fires of the splendor of god into the human abyss he who i am was with me still all veils are breaking now i have heard his voice and borne his will on my vast untroubled brow the gulf twixt the depths and the heights is bridged and the golden waters pour down the sapphire mountain rainbow rist and glimmer from shore to shore heaven's fire is lit in the breast of the earth and the undying suns here burn through a wonder cleft in the bounds of birth the incarnate spirits yearn like flames to the kingdoms of truth and bliss down a gold red stairway wend the radiant children of paradise clarioning darkness's end a little more and the new life stores shall be carved in silver light with its orient roof and mosaic floors in a great world bare and bright i shall leave my dreams in their argent air 
I shall leave my dreams in their argent air, for in a raiment of gold and blue, they shall move on the earth, embodied and fair. There shall move on the earth, embodied and fair, the living truth of you. Namaste.